0: Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, the podcast that uncovers the remarkable wines, stories, people whose lives have been intertwined by the captivating world of Paso wine. I am your host, Adam Montiel. In this episode, we dive into the inspiring tale of two unlikely friends whose individual paths converged, leading them to embrace Paso as the destination where their love for wine and opportunity would find a home. First, I want to take a second and thank you sincerely if you have ever taken the time to subscribe, rate, and write a review for the podcast. It means so much. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to take a moment to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, maybe share it with a friend. I'm really excited about today's episode. Our guests One, Steve Gleason, the visionary behind Four Lanterns Winery in Paso. Steve's journey began in the world of money management, but his life took a transformative turn when he discovered the enchantment of wine and subsequently, well, the allure of Paso. We'll hear firsthand from Steve as he shares his personal experiences and how wine led him to discover his passion for the Paso wine region. Joining Steve, Chef Justin Monson of Oak and Vine. Known for his unique culinary experiences and expertise, Chef Justin has a rich history in the world of gastronomy, having previously served as the esteemed chef of Disney's famed and exclusive Club 33. Yeah, right? He gives us an inside look on what it was like working in such an iconic establishment. And I was love for wine, food, brought him right to Paso. And as we explore these two gentlemen and their paths, we uncover the fascinating stories of how both Steve and Chef Justin met and even became friends. Beyond their personal connection, we discover how they've joined forces even at times to create unique experiences for fans of Four Lanterns wines, learn why they affectionately refer to oak and vine as a stay-and-play adventure. I love that. Blending exquisite wine and culinary delights in the heart of Paso wine country. I just love stories of two unlikely friends whose paths collide, leading them to share a profound connection with each other and with Paso, where wine took them on an unforgettable journey, where the chapters are still being written. After the conversation, our Travel Paso Spotlight highlights a local distiller who has some fascinating stories, including taking on the FDA twice, and he's got a 2-0 record, I will say, so can't wait to share that story when we meet Aaron Berg of Cowwise Spirits in our Travel Paso Spotlight later in the episode. But first, let me set the stage for today's show. Left turn off 46 West, right into the driveway of Four Lanterns Winery. I got Georgie with me. He's excited because there are a lot of other dogs here. This conversation, this friendship, even down to the employees I meet off the air. It's a testament to the power of wine and the connections it can create. Let's go.
1: Give me that sound we'll get by we pass on round till the job is and out in the trees it will simplify good company
0: Cheers guys. Cheers. Cheers. Oh no yeah, yep. we gotta do the sparkling. That's, That's right. Yeah. What is this, by the way, Steve? This sparkling. So it's it's kind of fun. Um
2: and I know you and I've talked about the a little bit of the history of the grapes on this property, but um, a long time, 1989, Randall Graham uh, helped plant the grapes here, and uh, he had a a clone of what he thought was Roussan, and smuggled it into the country, planted the grapes, uh, sold the wine with said Roussan on the label, and I just found out well, about a half a year ago, that uh, John Alman, famous for Viognier, came up and looked at the Roussan because another winery is going to buy it from, and he said it's not Roussan, it's Viognier. So he had the wrong—I don't know what happened. He jumped over the wrong fence, and, and it's from Châteauneuf <laughs> or somebody sold him the wrong cuttings. Right. Who knows what happened? But anyhow, that's our Viognier. Um, so we made a sparkling out of Viognier. The idea was, you know, the. Principal grape in Champagne is Chardonnay, and Viognier and Chardonnay, although they taste dramatically different, are very similar in terms of their chemical makeup and the heft on your palate and things like that. So I thought, why don't we try making a sparkling out of Viognier instead of out of Chardonnay?
0: I'm still wondering how he got tricked with the Roussan. I feel like in the glass, and I know there's like weight to both of them. Like you just used the word heft. I love that. Uh, there is a heft to both um, Viognier and Roussan, yeah, yeah. like Chardonnay. But I don't know. I feel like I'm not any wine wizard, but I feel like I could have told the difference between Roussan and and Viognier. Why, of course, Randall Graham could, right? What am I missing? Well, yes, that's true now. But you, you have to think,
2: 1989, mm-hmm. there was, there was no, no Roussan in America. In fact, he sold it as the first Roussan in America. Yeah. and. We just thought well, it was Well, that makes sense then and you, you got to realize you're probably getting little sticks with buds on them yeah that's all you get uh-huh. right because you got a stick in your suitcase or yeah, sometimes point. they call them underwear clones or whatever how do you get it through <laughs> right you know customs so I, it's it would vary even to this day sometimes we get replacement plants up in the vineyard and it's the wrong. It's the wrong grape It's sometimes even the wrong color when it comes in so the nurseries make that mistake too all the time so right oh we
0: saw that happen here with Graciano didn't yeah we? lucky mistake for Paso Robles yeah you have any of that I do actually I do that's pretty cool yeah one thing I learned just setting up here is you make a lot of wine
2: yes yes I don't I'm not good at coloring inside the lines yeah.
0: <laughs> so would you say that this house has a a theme to it or is it a little bit kind of open um, Broad well, stroke.
2: We were we were just talking a minute here with my friend Justin Monson that um, you know it is a true estate winery. You know we grow the grapes here. I love the fact that you know we control the process. You know bud break through you know bottling, if you will. And um, I think we try to make the wines very true, very clean. Um, people always talk about stepping back and letting the wine be what it's going to be. Um, that's true, but you also gotta, you know, it's like having kids. You, you want them to be independent, but you got to make sure they don't go off the rails someplace too. Right. So, um, (laughs) there's a little bit of that, but we want the wines to be very true to the varietals they are. Um, and then we, I, we, me, I really love blending. Um, and I don't, Necessarily want to be held to the traditional blends, as you'll see in a minute when we try the next wine.
0: I'm looking forward to hearing your story because you're almost ten years into this yeah. journey. Also mm-hmm. looking forward to trying a lot of these wines. And you did mention Justin Monson, uh, Chef Justin Monson. It's good to catch up with you, my man. How are you? Nice to
3: officially meet you, Adam. Yeah. Well, I think we met here and there, maybe in a little event, but we've certainly never been on the air together. No, I did an, uh did a. Uh, on air with with our buddy Stu there a couple of years back. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. But I uh, haven't haven't met with you on the air, so it's a pleasure to be here. It's really really cool to have you here. And one of the first things as I was you
0: know learning you and just kind of our passing back and forth um, maybe a few years back was your rich history in being the the chef at Club Thirty Three, <laughs> which is like that Disney exclusive club that I certainly could never get into and was pretty you know like it was it was a it was a big deal that place. I just looked at the door going. How do I get in there? And I never managed to do it. But what a what a crazy thing to have on your resume.
3: Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a chapter in the book of, of my life, and it was something that was unexpected. But um, I had a, a restaurant down in Southern California that was a big success. I sold after 11 years and had my heart set on moving up to Paso Robles. And uh, Disney got in the way somehow. My uh, youngest son was still in high school, so took a job. I, I tried out. Uh, I had to cook an 11, for 11 people a five-course meal over two days and tried out for the job at Club 33. I got the job. And the next thing I know, I'm working at Disneyland. Um, for someone who doesn't know, uh, okay. talk about Club 33. What is it? Club 33, the best way I could explain it, it's kind of like Augusta National is golf. Uh, Club 33 is to Disneyland. It's this exclusive uh, club that's uh, members only. The members can invite guests. Walt Disney originally, it was for corporate sponsors and dignitaries and, and uh, heads of state and and, uh, and celebrities and, and people from Hollywood at the time would come and dine and have a respite uh, The only place at the time you could have um, wine and beverages. So, yeah, on, on the Disneyland property. On the Disneyland property. That's changed now, uh, for hopefully for the better and um, <coughs> yeah so it was wild i was trying out for this job and uh i'm back they call it back everything off not on stage is off stage and Donald Duck or somebody kind of gave me a thumbs up, and I just felt like this. <laughs> Where uh, am I? I felt this kind of what a, a trip. Animal spirit. I felt like this is an omen, and I felt all of a sudden I just zoned in, and I. What is that? How is that run in the back? Is it like just as exclusive,
0: mean, or is it just kind of like another food depot at Disneyland, but the fa- the facade is is
3: better service, higher dining, or what was what, what was it like from the from backstage? Backstage, backstage at Club Thirty Three was phenomenal in the respect that they had closed it 2 years before I started there and they closed it for 2 years and rebuilt the entire property basically a total redo so i had this you know michelin star style kitchen wow. with uh, just gleaming equipment and stainless steel everywhere and these hood systems that clean themselves um no <laughs> way so it was like you were in a dream kitchen it was a dream kitchen we had the most, Disney kitchen, you the, were the most Disney staff, <laughs> the dream, the most staff I've ever worked with. We, wow. had, uh, we had the best product that you could you could ask for, and we really wanted to uh, showcase just the best that Disney could be, and, and the membership really appreciates.
0: So, it. Club Thirty Three sat in New Orleans, that New Orleans Square
3: kind of area. Correct. Yeah, you're above. Um, pirates of the caribbean basically yeah
0: but are you in club 33 if you go through the ride do you look up and see it or no you no, don't see the ride do you no you can kind That's of other get some
3: peekaboo views from if you're down at street level you can kind of look up and yeah. see. yeah and so what's the deal like
0: you, if i'm a member of club 33 and i just got off splash mountain can i go there and get a manhattan and bounce out yes you can so it is what yes. is it a, a door knock is it a what is it
3: Yes, there's a buzzer, I believe. There's probably a knocker. When, when I was there, there was a pirate standing out front.
2: <laughs> You've been to Club 33? <laughs> well, Justin and I went. I poured my wine there for the small nice. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. Because
3: it's really like this unassuming door yeah. in that New Orleans square area right. that just says 33 on it. So, Adam, the, the reason why I'm actually sitting here with Steve is, is uh, I met Steve's wife, Jackie, at a, a charity event. At at Disney, we were doing a, a charity event for the homeless, and I met Jackie. I said, "Hey, um, you know, I was a, a brand ambassador of Disney and hosting people I had for a breakfast. chef coat on the whole thing. Yeah. 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 and I said, you know, hello, how are you? It's, your name's Jackie, and she's. I'm like, tell me about yourself. She says, "Well, my husband and I own a winery. I'm like, very interesting. Um, let's let's sit down and hang out for breakfast." And she says, yeah, we actually are up in Paso Robles. And I'm like, I'm trying to buy a piece of property up here at the time and move up to Paso. So I'm like, all right. (laughs) This is perfect. (laughs) Kismet, you know, a great, great uh, happenstance. So Steve and Jackie poured the wine at this event. Um, I came up probably, I don't know, a couple weeks later and came up to this exact room where we're sitting in and tasted the wines. And we've been, you know, buddies and you know, cigar nights and, um, you know. That's so cool. What a cool yeah. story. Yeah. So it's 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 really cool, man. This whole, it's all come around.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited to see, Justin, your story, how it brought you here and then what it's turning into because uh, with what we're calling a stay and play, which I think is great, yeah. obviously your cuisine and how your cuisine fits and is folded into the whole thing. Uh, Steve, let's talk about this area because this, we're prime Central, right 46 West Side, yeah. Uh, among a ton of big, great, beautiful scenic drives and wineries, the property here has some uh, rich history too. Where, when did you? This is almost your tenth year, so I want to say 2014 we started. And how did you get the property, and and where did we come from? Yeah, we actually we bought it in 2013, so it is our
2: tenth year. But it, you know, it takes a little while to make the wine. Right. And the place needed. I don't know if you were there before here before we bought it, but it needed a lot of uplifting. Yeah. Um, the the owners uh, lived in the house over there and they rented out the property and then what happens inevitably is the owners didn't want to put money into it. The renters didn't want to put any money to, into it um, and uh, so, so it things goes, just yeah. kind of drifted on for a long time. Um, but then we ended up buying it. So it was, you know, I fell in love with it. It needed a lot of work but you know, sometimes you can look at a property and see it, what it can be. For example. Jay Ducey. I looked at that property about the same time, and I couldn't see it. But Janelle bought it and instantly transformed it. You know, and I was like,
0: "Wow!" Yeah, she could see it. That was her I couldn't see man. it, yeah, but I sure. could see
2: that what this was going to be, and yeah. just fell in love with it. And that's you know how we ended up with the place.
0: Now, where did you live before?
2: What were you doing? We I worked for a big money management firm, Pimco. Okay, is the name of it. I uh, lived down in Orange Pimco. County. Pimco Pacific Investment Management Company.
0: Oh, Pim- oh, Pimco. Pimco. I was yeah. like, Pimco. Yeah, it sounds like a little right. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, look you make back. money somehow. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like a velvet business card. Yeah. Pimco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you, you're money management. Yeah. And then that's not what I'm making, though. It's so not. So, you, you, you obviously love this area or you're... In, yeah. Uh, been
2: uh, coming up here since sure. the early 90s. Uh, my brother has a place up here. And... Um, You know, it it was one of those that you get to a certain point in your career and you're like, that's it, I'm done. Uh, You know, you don't like going to work anymore. And it, you know, I talk to people all the time. They're going through the same thing. You know, they come here and taste wine and they're like, you actually quit. And I go, yeah, because it's a hard thing to do. You followed your dream. You got kids, you got a mortgage. You know, the kids are going to go to college and you, you know, give up the paycheck in order to. Jump Forget off the clip. college.
0: Let's open a winery.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's open a
0: winery. So,
2: anyhow, that's what we did. Wow. We came up here and did it.
0: And um, obviously, hunting property must have been tough. You're looking all over. Yep. Because, one, you want to fulfill I mean, you're probably looking into soils, right? I mean, who are you talking to? Who are you tapping and saying, hey, I'm new to this area, but I need all the insight I can get?
2: Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things. One, you know, sometimes you don't even know what you don't know yet, right? And that was kind of my attitude. I knew that you know, going into, into a new career is it's completely wide open and you got to keep an open mind. So Unknown, unknown. Yeah. So one, Pete Dakin, who you may know, um, was my real estate agent and I've known him since I was 11. He's my brother's best friend from college. Wow. So I would come up here and he would take me around and he knows the properties around here very well. And then when I kind of latched onto this is the place I wanted to get, um, He actually steered me away from it initially because there was a little bad blood between the owners and the renters and, you know, things just, it was a little messy. He says, you don't want to get involved, right? but then everything started to fall in line and he called me up and uh, I came up the next morning and walked the property and I I took Neil Roberts with me to walk the vines and see what the land was like and uh, just loved it, just loved it. And, And, you know, initially we were thinking about just you know, hiring someone to farm it, and we would use it as a vacation home. And uh, it didn't take very long for that to change. You know, I I started coming up here every week and working on it and just really fell in love with the area and fell in love with the property. And in short, order i'm like you know we gotta hire a winemaker we need to make just a little bit of wine just you know 500 cases the first year
0: and they gotta teach me how to make wine they have to teach me (laughs) how to make wine well i just thought
2: it was amy butler you know amy of course fantastic uh great winemaker and um so i just followed around for three years and you know that's how i got my start and then i had a couple other people help move me from being the you know the cellar rat guy into being the winemaker it took you know little bit more of a transformation, but it happened pretty quick. And then I did the UC Davis program too. So, um, it all kind of fell into line.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. It
2: took and, 10 years. And but what it fell have in you, line.
0: right. And I'm yeah. sure, you know, you only, only done it 10 times yeah. so far. What have you found out about yourself as a winemaker? What kind of winemaker are you? What do you strive to be? I mean, you're still, yeah. uh, you know, in a, a time where it's still pretty early. Yeah.
2: Um, so I, Another, I talked to a lot of people about this as well. When you, when you're a wine nut, when you've been just, you know, drinking and enjoying wine for 30, 40 years, um, over 40 years now, um, you have a sense of what your palate is and what wines you really believe in. When you're a winemaker, the trick is how do you get from grapes to that place, right? So when we f- first started, and I was following Amy around and she's showing me how to connect hoses, I thought, you know, all of this knowledge and sense of wine and what I believe wine to be isn't really helping me because I was learning the functional part of making wine. Fast forward five or six years and all of a sudden I realized that having spent all that time developing my palate and understanding what I thought true wine should taste like, was a great thing because that gave me the destination I was heading towards when I was making wine right so initially I didn't think it made any difference at all but then once I got past the functional part of winemaking and moved into you know what do I want wine to be the wine I make to be then it was incredibly helpful so then you have 40 years of thinking about you know what direction do you want the ship to sail in
0: yeah I like that I like how you said wine that I can believe in yeah you know that's what it's about yeah when we first started our our
2: motto was wine we like for people we like mm-hmm. so we were making wine that we believed in we weren't making wine for the broader market so that was the first part And the second part for people we like we really pretty much meet everybody that buys our wine because we don't distribute so they come here
0: they buy the wine so you're a hundred percent direct to consumer we are so the way you get this wine and, and does that mean even restaurants that like we're not going to find this on any list or? um you might find it on a couple lists but it's usually
2: it's not that we're pounding the pavement so much it's that people come in here they like it and they say yeah. "Oh, i'm going to buy it from my restaurant mm-hmm. you know so it, it's it's not a continual you know i'm constantly pushing the wine out there but you know. And you, you have a lot of skews too. You've got a lot We of do. Wines. We do. And we make wine uh, for other wineries here as well. So any given year, I'm probably making over 20 wines. So, so like our last show, we were talking about Custom Crush. Yeah. You'll do Custom Crush for folks. Yes. The, I'm not open for any more folks. So no, don't, yeah, yeah. don't call me because we're full to the brim. So right. I'm actually trying to cut back on the Custom Crush because, you know.
0: What is that like as a winery doing that? I think, you know, folks listening to this episode, remembering that last one, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a cool bridge and a cool line to yeah. draw between the two. What is it like to be a winery doing custom crush as opposed to say like, you know, we were talking to Pacific Wine Services?
2: Yeah. Um, so back to the, you know, well, it's only been 10 years I've been making wine, but I make a lot of wine every year, a lot of different skews and I make wine for other people and with other styles because I don't make their wine to my style, I make it to their style. Right? So it helps broaden out your experience set pretty significantly. And you pick up on things, you know, you learn things by doing things in a different way for different people.
0: Now, they have this one client who has got like pictures around this certain area, wants an electric blanket over the barrels, like yeah. crystals, things like yeah. that. Do you have any real eccentric clients,
2: perhaps? Um, well, the electric blanket over the barrel, if you're trying to get a wine to either finish a really slow fermentation or. Oh, really? Like, am, I, oh, to, am I do, be stuck? to go through ML. You, oh, want sure. it, you want it to be a little warmer, and if it's, it's late in the fall and the barrel room's cold or the tank room's cold, um, it helps to raise the temperature. That actually factor. can work then. It actually can work. I absolutely. thought she was
0: doing it for some kind of voodoo thing because she's <laughs> not a no. winemaker yeah I mean that's so interesting though yeah. so um so custom crush but no more new clients please <laughs> no. no yeah and uh, what about what happened like uh, with the rain how did the rain fare here um I was pretty ex- excited to
2: see it yeah um and you know everybody says oh you know it washes the salts out of the soils it helps refresh and um the last time we had a it wasn't this dramatic but 2016 if you remember we had a long drought and then a pretty good rainstorm rain, winter. Um, And, you know, 17, 18 were really good years for Paso Robles, 19 too actually. Yeah, for sure.
0: Do you feel like you can think back on a year like if I were to ask you what 1998 was like in the money market world, would you know it as distinct as a vintage here that you've done hard for? Yes, or oh, yeah. you would. Yeah. So I serve
2: say- years that are very dramatic in the money world. Oh, okay. You know, so you talk about the 07, 08, 09 oh, for the mortgage sure. thing. Yeah. I was I'm old enough that I remember trading. I was a bond trader back in the 1987 crash. Oh man. So I go way back, and so you they're very distinctive. In fact. I was trading in Tokyo at the time, and I got. Are a, you like one of
0: these guys with the stickers all over their jackets?
2: Like oh, oh. no no, I was a bond trader. Oh, okay. Uh, well, those guys are on the floor. Right. Uh, of the board, well, they were on the floor of the board of trade. Um, the bond market happens predominantly dealer. Well. Dealer to dealer, dealer to large customer, so it's all on the phone. Um, it's not flashing, and right. I mean that was part of the market. The futures are definitely part of the market. Yeah, but it was oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Do you miss that at all or no? Um, a little
0: bit, a little bit. And was, how do you still feed exciting. that a little bit? Do you read a lot of business stuff? Do you watch a lot of C- like you know CNBC or what do you do to like kind of feed that those well, numbers?
2: It's it's the thrill of taking on a risk. Yeah, right. Um, so when I like, think, Oh, I'm going to make a wine that's different, right? That's a lot of money to do that, right? Because if it flops, it costs you a lot of money. So I still get a little of that feeling. Um, the sparkling we're drinking, right? A, a Viognier sparkling. Is there going to be a market for Viognier sparkling? Uh, zero dosage, so no residual sugar. That's a different wine. Um, it's I love by it. The way. Yeah, yeah, it's Yeah, it's gorgeous. I love it. But... I didn't know that when I started to make it yeah. and you know, you're putting a lot of money on the line. And when you're a trader, it's other people's money here. It's mine. So, <laughs> right. so I still get that, that little bit of rush. It takes a longer time to play out when you're trading. It could be, you know, a second before you flip your position, but and here you, it takes years. You grow a lot of different things here too, yes. right? I mean, you're
0: a state I see Cab Franc on here. I see Peak Pool Blanc on here. Yes. I see Tempranillo on
2: here. Yeah. yeah. And it's all planted. Um, predominantly with the estate in mind, so we'll have Sémillon. We've got an acre of Sémillon. Uh, unless you're planning to make that wine, it doesn't make any sense, right? Commercially, that's an acre is not terribly viable unless you're a small winery and you're going to make, you know, 150, 200 cases of Sémillon, right? right? Um, so uh, we we've planted a lot of different grapes, but they're all small blocks because The intent is for them to all come in through the, you know, the tank room and become wines for lanterns. Yeah. Now, having said that, we do sell grapes because um, we're still a small winery. We're still, you know, 2,000 or 3,000 cases, so we have a lot more grapes than we need for this program. So we do sell grapes to other wineries as well.
0: How was that last harvest? We had all that heat mumbo-jumbo, chaotic, hard. and you're doing custom crush for it people. It was hard.
2: Yeah, it, you really had to be on your game. Um, we had some fruit that we brought in before the big heat spikes, or even during the heat spikes. Our cab came in perfect. I couldn't believe it. Right in the middle of the heat spike, it came in perfect. Um, but some, like Petit Verdot and Tempranillo, we didn't pick till November 1st. Ooh. We had to wait and wait and wait. It took a long time. Because you're waiting for bricks to come down, or are you waiting for help? Um, You're waiting for bricks to go up. Up, because they went all the way back down. So the vines shut down. They're trying to protect the vine. They're not trying to create carbohydrates for the grapes when it's that hot, right? So the leaves kind of fold up, um, and the maturation process slows down dramatically when you get those huge heat spikes. That pushes your harvest out. So sometimes you get spikes in, in bricks. That's dehydration. That doesn't mean the grapes are ripe. That just means that the, the vine's dehydrating and you've got less water, so it looks like you've got more sugar. Right? But then the bricks will come back down when the plant rehydrates. We even had new canopy growth. Last year, which was crazy. You, know, you had all this burnout canopy, and then you got all these green shoots coming out on top
0: of it after it started
2: to cool down again.
0: Look at Money pretty Market great. Man became a farmer, huh? <laughs> Look at that, Justin. Uh, That's yep. pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Justin, oak and vine. I want to tell you something about Please. Justin.
2: I think of him as um, two things. So, one, when he took me down to visit Club 33... The staff couldn't have been more excited. They were so happy to see him. Everybody was hugging him. You could tell that, you know, even though he was the boss, they really thought a lot of him. So that's a cool thing. That's huge. The other thing is, he's a friggin' food whisperer. We were up barbecuing at his place one time. He's cooking chicken on an open fire. No big deal. We've all done that a million times. But then when you eat it, it's like, oh my God, how did this happen? Yeah. You know, I mean, I watched him do it and I don't get it. He's like a food whisperer. That's know? so cool.
0: That's quite a compliment. Thanks, a food
2: whisperer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is it about? So tell me
3: the secret to the uh, open air chicken. <laughs> <laughs> what are you putting on it? Oh, uh, yeah. So Oak and Vine. Um, yeah. So we've got the project Oak and Vine. And yeah, cooking, honestly, barbecuing, I'll give everybody like, the lowdown, the first couple tips are. Get your, get your meat out at rim temp at least an hour ahead and season it right away. You're going to season, season at least an hour ahead, a couple hours if, if you can. Obviously, you don't want it out in the hot sun and un, uncovered, but, you know, get your meat seasoned um, a couple hours ahead. So when it hits the grill, it's already been seasoned inside and out, and then the heat distributes right through it. And a lot of people put, you know, that steak that's ice cold, season it real quick and throw it on the grill. You get this Maillard char on the outside and then it's raw on the inside. So getting, getting food out at room temp is, is super key. And that's just prep. That's just having yeah. it out and let it sit out
0: for a yeah. while. It's smart to do with no matter what, no matter what the, po- uh, the protein right. is yeah. on.
3: Yeah. So yeah, the project is Oak and Vine. Um, I have two partners, Rich and Colin, and I'm the chef partner. Colin's are Hospitality management partner, and Rich is the general operator <clears throat> and financier of the project. And it's 46 acres. Uh, we've got 15 acres planted of uh, primarily Syrah, Grenache, Maved. <clears throat> a Couple, We've got a little um, Viognier and some uh, Grenache Blanc as well. So this is the second leaf. Uh, maybe we'll get a tiny harvest this year uh, by the end of summer. But probably next year will be the the first real harvest.
0: And so people can kind of picture where you're at. You're right next door, across the way from Turley.
3: Correct. Yeah, we're um, we're on Vineyard Drive, right across from Turley and Aaron Hill Winery, and uh, Donati is also in that same kind of neighborhood, as well as um, I don't know the new name of the place next to Turley. You're not far from that. The new tra- roundabout. The new roundabout. The new traffic circle. Right. So yeah, 46 acres, gorgeous. Uh, white oak blue oak studded property it's got this 360 degrees of uh, exposure on the vineyard so you're going to have all these different variables for the winemaker so we're looking to uh, obviously vet a a winery to be on the property as well as a complement to our what I call a stay and play so we have two houses combined you can probably have about 35 people on the property and Kind of run it like a boutique hotel week to week we um create like a dossier on our on our guest and their needs and their special event and we'll cook for them in base menus all the way from breakfast through dinner and special events we've done winery events we're hosting Torin here this this month um We've had Tobless Creek and their their folks down to do their holiday party.
0: So I'm picturing like, I mean, is it like a house where like a bunch of couples
3: might get or maybe like a, you know, a wedding or something, a group of for a wedding? Absolutely. Yeah. Our primary guest so far has been a kind of multi-generational family that's getting together. And we're kind of, we're central coast. So a lot of people are coming from the south and the north and meeting in the central coast. And
0: then, so do you, when you, whatever the price is, or you do it by a week or whatever, does that come with meals or do you kind of negotiate like how many meals a day you're going to want
3: or how does that work? Right. Yeah. Our base is just renting the property, uh, where you're going to stay. And then Colin gets contact. They contact Colin Pflugrad, our my partner, um, Via email, typically, or, or phone, and and uh, we set up a. Basically, he he creates a little dossier on him and says, "Hey, what are your what are your wishes and needs?" and we we'll have a. Steve, for instance, will have a winemaker come up and taste people on wine. Colin's doing cocktail classes with people. That's cool. Creating, you know, custom beverages. It's great. Oh, this sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds very, it could be tailored to just about anything. That's right. It's, it's, it's kind of an atelier. It's, it's a bespoke experience. And then what's your kitchen like? Is it Club 33 <clears throat> standard or what? <laughs> uh, we've got two incredible kitchens that uh, idlers in town helped us furnish those. It's most, mostly a brand called Fisher Paykel out of New Zealand. Um, incredible stuff. And then we've got an outdoor kitchen that's got a killer um, Santa Maria grill, of course. And then we have a pizza oven from um, Jordan's husband. Um, Manu. 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 i And uh, I-Tech, yeah. Cool. So he, he, and Steve ended up getting an oven from him as well, so we got yeah. those pizza ovens. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah. that's yeah. yeah. fun. Uh, those things are cool because they could zap a pizza in a couple minutes. Right. Oh. So we have Oak and Vine Hospitality as well, so we're out catering. Uh, we just cooked for Jordan and the folks up there at Epic the other oh, night. Oh, nice. We cooked for uh, Guillaume and family there at Clos Salen as well. So, um, yeah, most of the time we're out cooking at wineries and doing their, their winery events, um, but we really enjoy being at our home base and, and hosting people. So have you been doing catering and stuff since maybe we first you know, <clears throat> met years ago when you were? Yeah, so I came up I came up in 18, moved up here officially in 18, and uh, started off going really well, and then we ran into that COVID bug and uh that kind of slowed down a little bit yeah Um, huh? uh, but right at that same time we ended up purchasing the oak and vine property so that last those two years we were building so it was a great great time to kind of reestablish a new business and um yeah so up here you know it's interesting being at you know a quote-unquote fine dining chef and you've got this you know we all have our inner ego and you're you know cooking i've worked in napa and for years up there as well, and own my own place, and then to call myself a caterer—kind of my first initial like action cringed a little, cringed kind of, a little kind bit, kind of a little cringy, you know. <laughs> it's really not though. There's so many great <laughs> chefs that will will do this. Yeah, you know? no, it's great. Hey, I want to live. I want to live in Paso Robles area. Yeah, and this is what we do, and this is the business, right? So we're we're cooking. It doesn't
0: mean you can't rock a square plate situation (laughs) if you have to, want to, or, or whatever,
3: or someone, you know, can commission you for one of those too, but, uh, no, I think it's, it's, oh, we get, we get to do incredible food. Mm -hmm. Um, talking with Steve here about coming up this summer, we're doing a, our second annual kind of Midsummer Night's Dream inspired, um, event with his wines and, and, you know, we've brainstormed and had some cigars over talking about this menu this this year and it's yeah we get to do some great stuff
2: yeah if you want to have a great time is you know pull some wines out and talk to Justin about what foods he would make with those wines and then plan out a menu and that's that's really good fun
0: yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, the, some of the thing, the history here is really remarkable. When you kind of look at what you were kind of getting into and when you were coming, coming up here and talking to folks, what was, and you, like you said, you were coming here to taste for a while too. Yeah. What were some of those aspects of the history that, you, that really kind of lit you up? I'll tell you what, I
2: don't know so much history, but at the time, I truly felt that Paso was starting to become poised to really take off as a wine region, uh, you know, not to belittle the, you know, 20 years ago, but the, as a wine region, I don't know if you were here back then,
0: but you... I, I just, just got here in 03. So okay. So yeah, no, it was far different, for yeah, sure. I mean, like in '03, you could go taste for free and you're keeping the glass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. And it was, it was very, different. and there's probably you know, a fraction of the wineries here.
2: And you had to know which ones to go to because mm-hmm. some of them just weren't you know, yeah. what they are now, right? right no, frankly. sure. Um, but, I, but I really felt that the region, it had the had the soils, it had the weather, it had everything it needed to really take off. And um, you could tell, particularly if you'd been coming up here for a while, all of a sudden every winery you go to, the wine's really good. And and it was, the outside world didn't recognize that. And I really think it took COVID for the outside world to figure out that Pestle's mm-hmm. really got something going on because... Is that right? You think that really had something oh, to do with it? Absolutely. We, so great example. You know, we shut down and then we reopened for that little window before we shut down again. Right. People coming here would be like, oh, we're supposed to be in Paris this weekend. We couldn't make it. We're supposed to be in Rome this weekend. Couldn't make it. So all these people came here who would never, they would always look past Paso uh, and go elsewhere. But this was kind of, where else are they going to go? They couldn't fly anywhere. And they loved it. They loved the restaurants. They loved the town. They loved the people. They loved the wines. And I think that's really what flipped the switch on Paso. It's just, it was all here. It's just nobody seemed to recognize it outside of Paso and the small cadre of people that were following
0: it. It's interesting because I feel like we've always been doing these long and big strides. But you can't deny in the past, you know, since then. it's, yeah, been,
2: it's three years. It's just like gone crazy. Been, it's
0: gone crazy, too. Yeah. And they wonder... Because of that dynamic that you're explaining where you have a lot of people that they're not getting on planes and they have the ability to come up here. We're certainly allowing them to, and we made it, you know, easy for business to go on, thank God, because you know, mm-hmm. a third of California's restaurants alone shut down for good. Yeah. I mean it yeah. was it was wild what happened, yeah. and that's just restaurants, you know. And
2: think of the restaurants we have here in Paso. They're yeah. amazing. Yeah, incredible. Just amazing restaurants. Yeah.
0: So. so um how did you kind of weather through that whole situation justin as a chef i mean literally no one's cooking no one's doing anything that was a really must have been a really hard time for you
3: it, it was um i'm also a Finnish carpenter <laughs> oh wow so um i actually kind of put the dropped the chef's knife down and picked up the tool bags and and uh Started doing. I actually built a deck for Steve. Helped him build wow. his yeah. deck. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, we started building oak and vines. So I built all the the beds and all the white oak beds. So you the, went
0: to work, I man. That's that's um, it's amazing. Incredible. You should see it over there. It's incredible. <laughs>
3: um, but you know what? Our our bread and butter during COVID was these um, people that came up uh, and rented an Airbnb, and they wanted to. They couldn't dine with eight or ten people at a restaurant. They didn't. You know, want to mask up and in between every bite and they wouldn't take a group of eight or ten so they're at their house and it was word of mouth we got a bunch of business doing uh small dinner parties um for everybody in these airbnbs and it kind of it kind of launched what we're doing now
0: was it kind of underground yes like airbnb's <laughs> like hey, i got a chef that you can you yeah. know that's pretty cool. It was
3: total word of mouth, and and like Steve was saying, dude, I was getting my hair cut in like the backyard of <laughs> my hairstylist <laughs> yeah. along the golf course. You, you know. got some good hair, man. Yeah,
0: I got <laughs> to tell you, thank you very much. I, yeah. that's a huge compliment. But yeah. it's it just damn. I mean, it was crazy. COVID time was crazy. So yeah, you saddled up. You're doing some, you know, what you had also
3: talents in. That's yeah, you know, admirable. What the, I think that is the Central Coast way, though. Yeah, right. Now that I've been up here five years this summer. Everybody has a couple jobs up here. Um, you're a you're a rancher and you, you know, mow the grass at the golf course. Um, you work in a tasting room. You're also a school teacher. You know, it's everybody has a couple jobs up here and that's the way. It's isolated in a beautiful way up here in that, you know, to live up here, it's not overcrowded because it, you got to work your butt off to be up here and... Everybody's got a really good blue-collar kind of mentality up here on the on the central coast, and and uh, I've always been a working with my hands kind of guy, so I love it, and it's just an extension of what I've always done. But yeah, you gotta you gotta work up here. Talk
0: about some of the neighbors a little bit, Steve. Um, your neighbors right around you, and yeah. Well, one of the
2: my new favorite neighbor is uh, Loman Drone, actually. So they. I don't know if you know the history. They used to be here in the tasting room. Right. And then they went up on Adelaide Road, and then they just bought the place down right next to the traffic circle down there. So I love going over there. And Niner across the street. We've got Castoro down the road. We've got Barton's over there. Richie, uh, Midnight Cell is around the corner. Yeah. Hal at Ed Vlatus and Dark Star. Anderson and Road Ed. folks, yeah. Yeah, and Janelle Ducey, and I mean, there's a lot of wineries around here. And are we you know, in Templeton Valley.
0: Gap? Are we in Willow Creek?
2: Interestingly, the the line about 80% of the vineyard is Willow Creek. The line to start Templeton Gap runs right through the corner of the vineyard over here. So the other 20 is in the Willow Creek is in Templeton Gap, and then it goes that way. Um, and our house, which is about a mile down the road, we have another vineyard there, is firmly in the Templeton Gap. But most of this vineyard is in Willow Creek let's talk about this next wine that we're getting into okay this is kind of fun it's a blend and it it started really and remember i told you about drinking wines over all the years and uh in 1993 94 uh i had a wine that was um from australia and it was a shiraz cabernet blend and i remembered that i, I used to be able to remember almost every wine i had but then I started to get old. Um, so I really remember that. I, I liked the wine a lot. It it was a just a big, balmy Australian wine. And uh, I thought, you know, geez, I grow both Cab and Syrah. Why don't I see how those taste here in Paso? And I blended them together. And it was too much. It was too big, too concentrated, too much fruit. And so I thought, well, I'll put a little Cab Franc in there to bring in some of those earthier flavors, and uh, it worked extremely well. And then for this vintage, I also thought maybe a little Tempranillo, you know, just to get a different thing. So if you think about it, we've got Cab, which is left bank Bordeaux. We've got Cab, Franc, right bank Bordeaux. We've got Syrah, Rhone Valley, Tempranillo, Spain. So it's uh, a little bit not within the norm, uh, but it's a great wine, very complex. It's our top selling wine. just love it. Just love it, and Justin. What are you going to pair it with this? If you were going <laughs> to,
3: I'm loving the. Um, it's really the, pretty. The it's very cool on the palate. It's so. It's a real sexy wine. Um, it's got a a good amount of like black licorice on it mm-hmm. right now on my palate. I want lamb with this. Yeah. Because it's so it's go got some tannin and acid. I want some yeah. fat. I want some sizzly lamb fat and oh. some like dried herb on this. Yeah. That'd so like cool. an herbs de Provence or you know a little lamb yeah, it's what yeah saying.
0: what were some things that you kind of like took from your club 33 days yeah. or do you just take and kind of go man that was really good maybe it's some things in hospitality mm-hmm. because of right. they're so good at it maybe it's some things in the
3: kitchen the thing i'm kind of a Steve's going to laugh when i say this but i'm kind of a i'm kind of a different thinker i'm left-handed dyslexic redhead right so um <laughs> i, I kind of figured out around 50 who i am and it's because i am these things that I just, I do things backwards than other people. I look through different lenses. Walt Disney, to me, the actual man, not the, the company, that what I learned is the guy was a, I don't know, he was, um, he just did it his way, but he did it with quality and an integrity. So the things that I got out of working at Disney that I've kind of brought up here, the biggest thing is the storytelling. Okay, so when, you know, for instance, Steve and I sit down and he's like, hey, we want to do this thing. I'm like, we get we go off the rails and spitball like he's a, you know, Ivy League educated guy. We haven't talked about that yet, but he's talking about (laughs) he says, let's not. Yeah, we'll skip that. (laughs) He's like, let's 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 kind of vibe off this Midsummer Night's Dream and Shakespeare and that. I, I know enough to like, Okay, I get your vibe. And then all of a sudden we're like serving things out of punch bowls and, you know doing this Bach and all kind of cool, like art direction and telling a story and it's summertime. And for me, like cooking and being seasonal and I'm a big Steinbeck fan. I read, I'm reading a, I got a book club with some of my cooks right now. We're reading Steinbeck talking about like the heritage of where we're at and the heritage of wine growing and food and the Salinas Valley. East you know, of Eden. East of Eden. I love that book. It's yeah. so damn good. Kind of a soap opera, almost. Um, yeah, but they're just. The, it was
2: amazing. Yeah, yeah, no the stories and the pictures and the, it's amazing. But we're probably. doing like
3: so. a we're doing a risotto right now. I'm calling Steinbeck's Garden. Okay, so and we're using all these Castroville artichokes down through the Salinas, and we're doing the asparagus and the English peas. So storytelling in the 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 way Walt Disney kind of story told and got people. That's what to me that the wine culture and the wine. The wine country culture is storytelling and it's letting people be in a lifestyle for the day if they're here tasting mm-hmm. wine. So if I'm cooking for them, we're storytelling and they're living this wine country lifestyle for the day. They're writing their own story. Yeah, and they own it at that point. So one of my things is I want people to
2: you know open a bottle of people who are doing what I used to do, people who are like nose to the grindstone on planes all the time burnout all the time friday night they get home they open a bottle of four lanterns wine and they remember being here they remember that experience and their, whatever that story was to them it's like instant flashback it's emotional memory that's one of the things i'd really love about making wine is to yeah, give that tell. to people.
0: Yeah. That's a really cool gift to give to someone yeah. because it's so personal. Well, they actually pay for it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I charge them. But that's just the tangible <laughs> stuff, right? No, the intangible aspect of what we're talking about is, I mean, it's so, it's so priceless in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I I love the the way both of you uh, describe it, especially, you know, you who made that choice to, you know. uh, Well, Justin did too. He did the same. He left the corporate job too. He did the same. Right. Was that scary at all for you?
3: I'm too dumb to be scared. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did
0: you look at your situation, the fact that you're not, that you're probably maybe a little bit more, obviously, I mean, your numbers, analytical, obviously a very smart man. Did you kind of look at this and go, okay, this has all got to even out if I'm going to take the plunge? I didn't think it has to even out, but I thought, if, if I'm going to do
2: this, it, ha- it has to make money. It has to make money. I'm you, not got into,
0: gonna, you got into winemaking. Of course it doesn't make any money. Well, it does eventually. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
2: it's a, it's a, you know, There's a difference between capital expenditures and profit, um, and there's a huge amount of capital expenditures in wine. I mean, think about this, this next wine I want to pour for you. It took four years to make. Wow. So you put all that money out, and then you pay to maintain that wine for four years until you sell your first bottle. So, the, you know, for the finance people out there, the turnover ratio is terrible on this stuff. <laughs> but putting all that aside, um, I, I didn't want this to be just a, a project that didn't actually sustain itself. I, it's not just I, a passion
0: project because I can.
2: Yeah. No, it, had to, it, has to, it has to get legs and live on its own. It has, it has now, to is that get because
0: there. you needed it to or is it because you didn't want to – it wasn't just the same to you unless it could – a, a little
2: of both, actually. I mean, it, I I could have retired rather than come here, but then I would have been just sitting, doing nothing. So I took all the money and put it on black and spun the wheel. Yeah. Right? <laughs> then it's got to pay for itself. Sure. Right. So sooner or later it does. And I remember, you know, Tom Madden was our lawyer, Pete Dakin. and old uh, school, great guys. Yeah. And um, you know, they both pulled me aside and said, "Look, you know, you're you're not going to make any money for eight years." And I was like, wow, you know, and that's true. It takes a long time to, for all that capital to start coming back in. Right. Um, but eventually it will, hopefully if you've got a good enough product and good people and you know, we have just the most amazing staff I ever met in my life. They're incredible. Um, so yeah, hopefully if he, if you jump off this cliff sooner or later, you know, there's a cloud that's going to cushion the blow and you'll make it, you know? What
0: were some of the aspects that you had to pick up on over the last 10 years? I mean, in your money market world, were you, were you a leader? Were you, uh, did you have people under you that you were, or so, so that that part wasn't new then. So managing a, a mission, people leading, that was never, we were, we were doing that just in a different facet before.
2: Yeah. The people who are here, um, I mean, Justin's here a lot. It's it's like a family. They really are. We're, we're all very close. It's kind of, yeah, I'll give you a great example. So they, you know, they all are local and they may be driving by, you know, they look and they see the parking lots full and they'll pull in to help because they oh know we, we're short on staff or it'll be Saturday night and, you know, they didn't work that day, but they show up, they got cheese, they got crackers and we all sit around and drink the half open bottles that are left at the end of the day. You know, it's a, it's a just a wonderful group last Sunday night we had we, you know we do our Sunday night concert series during the summer and um, that was over and we're hanging out talking and one of the women that work here couldn't come because her son wasn't feeling very good so she stayed home and then we all went over there and you know cooked dinner and oh wow drank yeah. you know all these great wines took a couple of magnums and they were pulling out wines out of their cellar I mean these are just amazing people I don't know how we lucked out and got them all but yeah. they they're just great
3: just yeah. great. Well, tell me why he
0: got them all, Justin. I mean, there's obviously something really special <laughs>
3: yeah. about Steve and, and Jackie and the, the mission here, right? So it's—I was—we were talking about this before. Let me pour you a little of this wine. the Hospitality. <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, First and foremost, it's a family. It's a family business, right? So Steve and Jackie are here every day. They have four daughters, so they have a big family. I think Steve, you come from a family of six
2: kids. Six yeah. kids. Yeah.
3: So there's a there's it's a very family. Um, orientated business um, everybody that works here that has kids the kids are hanging out the dogs are hanging out I think that the people that work here they work here because they want to be here and I think that's the difference they they like the wine and the vibe here and they then they like hey I think I want to work here mm-hmm. a lot of the people that I know that work here the ladies um, they were wine club members and they're like I like this place yeah Right. yeah
2: I mean, look at Matt. He just yeah. this guy's my assistant winemaker. He just started showing up in the vineyard helping me. I mean, we were digging ditches out there, and he just I just I wasn't paying him. Was, yeah. It was during COVID, so he couldn't go to work. Right? But, you know, we just his wife works here. Wow. Works wine, and He just, just started trym- showing
0: up every day and just learning. And- Finally,
2: I was just like okay, I got to hire this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like you know a, a real there's an aspect here that you can't put uh, your finger on that's just very important and there's a real like Quan yeah. you know that's...
2: I can't put my finger on it but I'm happy it's here
0: yeah huh yeah, yeah and you're blessed and that's really cool and you, you know you're obviously your wine club members your fans of your wine visitors can tell I mean it's got a, you know there's a definite a vibe here that's uh, really welcoming and yeah. and fulfilling and the wines are fantastic I mean what did you just pour for us now okay so this is a fun wine and, and it's a Merlot
2: so I know a lot of people in the wine world kind of Skip past Merlots because they don't have structure, and maybe there's residual sugar in them. and they're or they too saw soft. sideways. They saw sideways. This wine has a lot of structure. It. We actually aged it for three years in barrel. In the big barrels. In right? the puncheons. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So a regular barrel is 225 to 227 liters. A puncheon's 500. So it's two and a, roughly two and a quarter barrels. So the the value of the bigger barrel is you have a lower amount of surface area per volume of wine so the oak impact is diminished a little bit and the wines tend to be healthier Uh, they take less uh, SO2 they just for some reason they you lose less every month to the angel share Um, so I love working with punchins so I did one new French oak and one old French oak barrel the old French oak barrels as you know Adam don't give you oak flavor they just help mature and soften the wine So I had one new and one old, and I aged them for three years, then blended them together, again, diminishing that oak impact, and then bottled it and aged it another year. So this is when I was talking about four-year inventory cycle. Uh, And then that's this wine. Wow. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah.
0: What is it about Merlot that you like?
2: This line, I just love. I it I it could know be it's, Merlot. It's like,
0: it could be so pretty, when yeah. it's done yeah. like this, and yeah. what is it about it? So those?
2: Good story about this wine. There's a there's a older woman that comes here. She just everybody loves her. She's just the most the nicest person. Her kids come here. Her Grandkids come here. And uh, I opened this bottle for her because she was saying her favorite wine was Merlot, and I was like, okay, I got. I mean, this is their most expensive wine, but I'm gonna open it for her, right? So I open it. and I pour it for her, and she starts to cry. Oh, my gosh. I was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, then her kids started to cry. Then I started to cry. I mean, yeah. So her husband loved Merlot, and he's been dead for eight years. And, you know, wine's emotional memory and all those emotions came back. And... um you know, so oh, I don't, don't know. That's, that's probably, when, <laughs> wow. because of her, it's I like Merlot. It's like an Merlot. episode of This Is Us right now. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> That's such a special story. Oh,
2: it was amazing. Just amazing.
0: Yeah. And it's very passo of you to just, you know, first of all, that you're here. Someone's tasting and you're here walking around. Uh, it's very passo to see. It like, is. That's what I love
2: about passo. Yeah. You know? And
0: that you heard this and, and more you listened. You didn't just hear, but you listened and, and you acted with your heart. and You led with your heart. And then this amazing moment uh, gets to happen. For this woman, that she will never forget, and you even get yeah, to share. I, I never forget. Yeah, I'll I know. Never forget. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it. How can people a taste here? Uh, do they need a reservation? How does it work?
2: We like people to have reservations, but we definitely take walk-ins. And we try. So we have a big property here. We have a big lawn. There's a lot of tables, a lot of space. Um, we try very hard not to turn people away. Every so often, we have to just because we get too many people. But the constraint is the number of servers. So they can only handle so many people. So for some reason on a weird Saturday something we get a lot of extra people, what we do is we say, look, you know, we can find you a table, you can buy a bottle or you can buy a couple of glasses of wine and sit and enjoy yourself. But we can't do the full tasting menu with you because there's we just, just
0: don't have enough staff. There's just too much going on right yeah, now. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that's why people make reservations so they can be sure to yeah. get that treatment. Um,
0: and I've noticed so. that we talked about COVID earlier that a lot of it has kind of turned into what we know at, at a restaurant. You go, you'll be sat somewhere and then somebody will come to you and hey, how's the wine going? We'll take, and then you're, you're almost like having like a restaurant experience where you're sitting at a table you're not necessarily Bellying up to a bar Per se Right Completely Yeah Pre-COVID Everybody was belly to the bar Yeah It's
2: completely changed Yeah I yeah, like that yeah. yeah I like it too That's it, pretty it, cool it, It's been nice
0: So uh, Four Lanterns Winery Spell it out
2: F-O-U-R Lanterns winery so it's www4 and And
3: then uh oak and vine oak and vine someone's
0: got to figure out how to just come get some people together and and stay with you like that sounds like so much fun i can't wait to get up there
3: yeah especially when we get our our winery on on play but um yeah we're fully open and uh, we've had great success and we want to do our christmas party up there absolutely see there you go be fun Yeah, so um, some of the... Sorry, holiday party. (laughs) Don't be sorry for (laughs) saying Christmas.
0: (laughs) I celebrate Christmas. I celebrate Christmas. (laughs) I know,
2: but, you know, I'm an inclusive guy.
3: Yeah. 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 And we've got some Jewish friends here that we hang with all the time. Yeah. Um, Well,
2: employees, so it's got to be a holiday party. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's been a great success, and we have been hosting some of the industry uh, folks on non-weekends, so that helps um, with cost and that. Mm -hmm. And... um, Yeah, it's a it's just a blessing to be here and uh thanks Adam. Yeah.
0: Oak, oakandvine.com. Well how do we find it? Yeah. Oak and Vine Stay.
2: Oak and, and vine, vine Stay. stay. Yeah. What I want to do is go sit
0: on some of those chairs overlooking the vineyard and have a cigar. That's what I want to do. What's funny, because I lived a block away from Oak and Vine when I first moved here. But this is downtown, different. I'm talking Uh, about the cross streets, Oak and Vine. uh, Uh, Because I lived on 8th and Oak. And the Oak and Vine, I guess, are kind of parallel. But uh, 8th and Oak, that's some old school downtown action. Well, thank uh-huh. you for sharing the wines. I hope people go to oakandvinestay.com and then also Four Lanterns Winery.
3: Thank you for the spread, Chef. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, we brought some beautiful local cheeses. Um, this one here, Central Coast Creamery, this blue. Great. That uh, Steve was thinking would go good with the sparkling. Yeah, but we got lost in conversation. Yeah. so we no worries. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but so we've got good. some beautiful local cheeses here. Um, and What's yeah. the sausage over there? What's that? Uh, we've got this is a wild boar. We've got um Damn.
2: Are any of these yours or did you No,
3: uh, these these ones are um
2: Justin makes these every yeah. often. It's really wow. cool. Yeah.
0: I just can't wait to taste yeah. your cuisine yeah. In a, you know, on a plate with a dinner sometime. Absolutely. It's so much fun to uh, finally get a chance to really meet and get to know you. And, you know, it's so funny. We talked to two different people, and you couldn't have two different dudes with different culinary backgrounds, money market backgrounds, yeah. right? And then to find out where those paths and ideas and passions cross. Right. And I, I saw a lot of really cool similarities in both of you as men, as you looked at things and as you look at opportunity and, and following your dreams. I mean, right. some really cool similarities on to you. So, this was a really fun conversation. Thanks, uh, both of you guys, for Thank sharing you where you wine you tanks you have. Cheers, huh? Thank you. It so good. It was fun. Thank
1: you just Cheers. Cheers. Give me that time. We'll get by. We'll pass on till the job. is done. out in the trees. It will simplify good company.
0: Great chat. Fantastic Reserve Merlot. Who does a Reserve Merlot? I love that. Well, Four Lanterns does. Thanks so much for the conversation. Steve Gleason of Four Lanterns Winery. You can check him out. Spell it out. F-O-U-R. Fourlanternswinery.com. And Chef Justin Monson. Some great stories, huh? Of old Disney's Club 33. What a cool thing to have on your resume. Again, to learn more about Oak and Vine, so you can stay and play, check out oakandvinestay.com. All right, now as we transition into our Travel Paso Spotlight, we are shining the light on Aaron Berg, the owner and producer of Cowwise Spirits, located in the burgeoning industrial area known as Ramada Row. It's on the way into Tin City. Cowwise stands as a testament to the entrepreneurial spirit of Paso and Aaron's journey and his story rooted in Cal Poly's Hothouse, the college's renowned entrepreneurship program. His story will reel you in. He'll share the captivating history of distilling he discovered in his own lineage, along with a riveting story of successfully taking on the FDA twice. Trust me, you're going to be glad you stuck around for this. Great to hang out with you, Aaron. Thanks for being here, man. Good to see you again, Adam. You came bearing gifts. Uh, Spirits, obviously, just blowing up. And your story is really exceptional because... You were part of that the Hot House at Cal Poly, right. which is like, and, and for someone who doesn't understand, explain how the Hot House works a little bit and how they help business, new business owners, and new businesses flourish.
4: It's a great program, and for decades, I mean, pretty much since the inception of the university system, it's always been to you know feed people into jobs at, at large companies. And the idea with with the Hot House and the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Cal Poly is. Hey, students! Actually, you can go start your own business. You don't need to go and work for one of those big, large corporations and be a cog. You can decide to go out on your own, and we're going to give you the the tools you need to do that.
0: This is certainly not something that we learned growing up in high school. I think this this should be part of junior high, high school. You know, so it's good that for those who who are hungering for this, that it is available, especially at a great you know institution like Cal Poly. And this was instrumental in you beginning Calwise.
4: Yeah, I I I I fully agree. You know, I, I actually got rejected from Cal Poly's MBA program, but I got accepted into the entrepreneurship program, and I'm really happy that it went that way because I've learned so much along the way.
0: When you were just out of the hot house and just. Getting going. I remember interviewing you and you have this like old school briefcase. I wonder if you still have it.
4: (laughs) I I still have it. Yeah. This Uh old school briefcase (laughs) looked like
0: something like our grandpas would have walked around with. And you broke out these two rums. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is so awesome. This is so (laughs) rad. And we tasted rums and um, rum. A lot of people don't know because you've now been known people know you for your gin and your whiskey. There's cool stories behind that we're going to get into in a second. But rum is where if you're like me and know you from back in the day, it's where it all began.
4: Yeah, it, absolutely. And and rum is, is my, that's like my passion project. I, I'm I love rum. It's one of my favorite spirits. It's really fun to make. But yeah, I branched out into to gin and whiskey, and then those have proven to be um, even more popular with, with the crowds. But my personal favorite is the rum.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about the lineup in a second. You got a great location. You're on the way into Tin City, and it's this uh, industrial area. Everyone has heard of Tin City, but uh, the industrial area right outside of it, as you come in, is becoming something in and of itself really special. Are you in that Ramada Row?
4: I am. Yes, yes. We're we're in Ramada Road there, right on on Ramada Road, uh, intersection number of Mar- uh, Ramada and Marquita. Yeah. On your way to, to Tin City, you can see us from the freeway.
0: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And uh, what are we doing for folks? And there, obviously, we're tasting the spirits. But you have the ability to do cocktails, food. You're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah,
4: yeah. We're, we're we're doing cocktails. So of of course, we love pouring, t- tasting flights. So you can taste the spirits on their own. But we'll pour you a cocktail. You can get a pizza and have some food and come in and hang out with us.
0: Okay, what's the history behind Cowwise? Because in your distillery, there is an old uh, whiskey hood, a whiskey helmet, right? Uh They're called a whiskey helmet?
4: Yeah, whiskey helmet. Uh And
0: it's got all these, you know, axe holes that severed it back in the day. And there's some real prohibition history right in your distillery.
4: Yeah, it's pretty cool. After I, I started distilling, actually, my My grandfather, um, I'm having dinner with my grandfather one night, and he he gets up from the table, and he walks out, and he comes back. He comes in holding this big old mangled piece of tarnished copper, and uh, he says, you know what this is? He said, this is your great-great-grandfather's moonshine still. And uh, he was actually making moonshine during Prohibition in Minnesota, where my family's from. And he got caught by the feds. And back then, during those days, what they do is they, they the revenuers came around with axes and they would use the axe to hack holes into the still, because if there's holes in it, all the spirit just evaporates and you don't capture it and it can't work. So, uh, yeah, they hauled him off the jail and, uh, you know, he tossed the still aside and but it ended up. Being kept in the family, it's now now it's hanging up in our distillery.
0: So we have this helmet that sits on the wall, and you can see this old, like you said, this old tarnished piece of copper with big axe, you know, scars into yeah. it. Yeah, we've even named a whiskey out of it.
4: Yeah, it's actually the there's a picture of it on our on our whiskey label, actually, which is is pretty cool. So you can you know you can see it on our, in our distillery and and have it on your whiskey label too.
0: So single malt. Now this is kind of what people associate a as scotch of course like champagne it needs to come from the champagne region of France scotch has to come from Scotland tequila's got to come from tequila so uh, this is a single malt whiskey made here but in that style is that right
4: um it, it is a single malt whiskey and but it is it is actually made in a different style than, okay than, than cool, cool. Than scotch educate me yeah and so so scotch you know it's so sing, the single malt means that it's made for one type of malted grain and it's almost always malted barley. And that's about where the similarities between Scotch and American single malt end. Scotch tends to use like earthy, peatier, like smoky uh, barley in, in their Scotch. And then what they do is is they buy uh, American bourbon barrels. They, they buy used barrels and they age it in the barrels. So that's why Scotch doesn't have an incredibly oaky flavor to it. They're using used barrels. We're here in the States. We don't have peat bogs, so we're not smoking our barley with peat. And also, we are uh, legally required to use new charred American oak barrels to make American whiskey. So ours... So American single malt is not as smoky as scotch and it's more oak forward than than a scotch is. That's
0: probably why I like it.
4: Yeah, I, I love it. I think I it's, I mean, it's that's really incredible. Mm-hmm. What's the education
0: way? like for fans of yours? Do they understand? Do a lot of people ask the, the question I just did with regards to scotch or what?
4: Yeah, almost everyone okay, does. Almost, almost everyone does. Almost everyone thinks, oh, so it's single malt. Is it a scotch? No, it's not a scotch. Right. But I, I'm starting to get a few people coming in who, who are realizing that, oh, this is an American single malt. That, that's different. I know how that's different. So, more and more people are starting to realize that an American single malt is picking up traction.
0: The Big Sur gin. This is uh, definitely, it's become your flagship. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, this is our flagship spirit. Who knew, right? The gin would become like, did you know there were so many damn gin lovers?
4: No. I, you know, I, I had a little bit of a hunch, which is why I decided to start making it. But like you said, I started out making rums and I said, okay, I've been doing these rums for for a bit now, for for a few months. And what I want to branch out into now. And I thought, how about gin? And I put out the gin and. It, this, it's, the sales of the gin greatly overtook the rums. People were, were really stoked on the gin, and, and it's really become our, our flagship spirit because we, we, we make it with a lot of love. We distill it from Paso, wine grapes, and uh,
0: native plants that grow here on the Central Coast. This jumps right out of you. in the glass it just jumps right out. Beautiful nose on Thank this. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we're talking spirits, so we're talking heat. But these things just are balanced, and they go down very, very easily. Thank you. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I I try to make, and kind of back to your your last question, is I, I try to make everything so you can taste it and drink it on its own because there are a lot of people who like to drink it on its own or just on the rocks, but I also keep in mind the cocktails too. So I try to do the best of both worlds.
0: So when people come down to check you out at Cowwise, do they need to make a reservation? How does it work?
4: If you have a a large group of eight or more, then we require a reservation. But if you're you're, you're just a few people, just come on by. Stop on in. We're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday from 12 to 6.
0: And I can taste... Neat and just kind of go up and down the gamut, or do or what if let's say I don't want to taste, I've already tasted you, I just want to come in for a rum cocktail. I can do that too. You,
4: you can, you can do that too. Nice. Uh, and we actually have something in between too. We do a gin and tonic flight where we do three. Ooh. So, so we have three different gins. This is our classic Big gin I brought in. We do a seasonal uh, fruit infused gin and Your I do a barrel Cranberry gin.
0: one of the holidays is fire.
4: Thank you. So good. Yeah, so we so we do a gin and tonic flight. We will, we can pour you like three mini gin and tonics so you can taste like three different gin and tonics and kind of do like a hybrid between a cocktail and a tasting.
0: You know, one thing I've always respected about you is that you, like uh, my friend Alex Villacana from Refined, really on the forefront for your fellow producers, whether it's getting in, sending out press releases, getting into the news. I know Alex has been up in Sacramento, you know, lobbying legislators to make sure that, you know, you guys could continue providing your spirits direct to consumers, sending them, shipping them to your fans. I remember during COVID, there were times I would turn on the news like a 24-hour news channel, CNN, Fox, and you're on there talking about the FDA and the hand sanitizer you guys were making, how they were taking distillers to task, and you were really out in the front, you know, representing for your fellow distillers.
4: Absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm i proud to say I took the FDA to trial by media twice and won and um, when they tried to, you know, smack distillers down who are making hand sanitizers. So yeah,
0: and that it. was a national story.
4: Uh huh. It it, it 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 was it was twice, and uh it's something that I'm proud of, and I'm uh, I, I'm happy to, Although maybe foolishly happy to 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 stick out my neck. And you know, was for, there for any for the like industry. repercussions
0: because of that, like?
4: Um, I've been audited a couple times. Really? That's got to make you wonder, yeah. Well, I would love Mm -hmm. to ask some
0: of your neighbors how many times they've been audited in the short time they've been around. That's fascinating.
4: Yeah, I only know one other distiller up here who's been audited before. Yeah, and then I got audited twice. Man, (laughs) something's (laughs) Uh up
0: there. Tell me about this
4: rum. So this is our anniversary rum, and you just tried our single malt whiskey, which... Um, by the way, the single malt whiskey is made with barley, but it's like a heavily roasted barley, like barley you'd use to make a, a stout beer. So like chocolate barley. So it has a lot of chocolate and coffee flavors. This anniversary rum was aged in the barrels that we use to age the single malt whiskey. So you're going to find a lot of those chocolate and coffee flavors I love it. in the rum.
0: I love rum. Me too. Isn't rum just so much fun? It's,
4: it's excellent.
0: That's beautiful, balanced, well-rounded. Great flavor, complex. You want to drink it by itself, but you're dying to throw it in a cocktail too. Uh huh. You know, yep. not yep. fun when you have a spirit like that. Hmm. Hazard Reef, what's the name about?
4: So Hazard Reef, that's you know right down the road from us here. That sucks over in Los Osos. There's there's a Hazard Reef over there. It's a popular surf spot. Uh, all of my my brands and uh, and even the recipes try to, I I try to you know harken back to the Central Coast as much as I can. The rum is made from. U.S. grown molasses, which is pretty rare because most rums you find out on the market um, aren't sourcing their ingredients from even within the United States. So I, I actually work with a plantation out in Louisiana, and they send me the the molasses. So I bring it into my distillery, I ferment it, and then I age it in oak. Looks cool. This this is our anniversary. This is our fifth year anniversary rum that I put out. It's here. not even out yet. It's not even out yet. No, no, it's a little sneak peek. We're going to release Sweet. it in a few days um, to our club members and. Uh, What's cool about it is we do a a Solera system and this, so this rum started five years ago when we opened our distillery. That's so neat. So so. for
0: someone who has heard of that, the Solera system used a lot in winemaking and uh, for someone who doesn't understand, explain how what we're doing is we're layering these lots on top of one another to create like a consistent and just like a, a signature taste over the years.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, and the idea is that the average age of the spirit is increasing over the years too. And, and the way this started was when I first moved in to my distillery, I made the first batch I made was a batch of rum. And that first batch of rum, I set aside in a barrel. And then after a year we had been there, we took out some of that rum and bottled it up, but only about half the barrel. We left the, the other half of the barrel full with rum. And then we filled it with more rum. And then- The second year rum. Uh-huh. The second year rum. Exactly. And then on year two- We took out half the barrel, half of the rum in the barrel again, but left the other half in and then topped more rum into it. And and we've done that, you know, five times now.
0: Wow. And we're going to keep doing it.
4: Yeah, we're going to keep doing it. So, yeah, theoretically, you know, there's this the rum in this bottle. There's some five-year-old rum in this bottle. There's some four-year-old rum, three-year-old, two-year-old, and one-year-old rum in this bottle.
0: And as, you know, CalWise ages, we'll be doing in a few years, we'll be doing a 10-year yeah. So cool. Cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Another thing that is so exciting is uh, CalWise is, is part of the Paso Robles Distillery Trail, which as far as I know is the only distillery trail in California.
4: Yeah. It's, it's really so special and unique that we're able to create such a, a special group of distillers here on the Central Coast and, and an actual trail of 13 different distilleries um, all within... What a half hour, 45 minutes drive of each other, um, all doing cool, unique, different things.
0: Yeah, it's countywide. So you could be down in Grover Beach, San Luis Obispo. There are a ton in Paso all the way up. I think the northernmost distillery is probably refined in the Adelaide district in Paso. And it's exciting because you got this, like I know mean, you got this copper card that is available now. You can go to Paso dot com and you hold this copper card with you and you can use it at all of the distilleries.
4: Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's a great value, and you know, right now we're selling for ninety five dollars as an intro. Introductory um, price, but it's going to go up to 125. But even when it's at full price, it's still a 250 value when you consider you know the tasting fees that all these distilleries are are charging. And uh, we want you to come out and and try the distillery trail. You've come out and done the wine trail. You've done you know a lot of the great breweries around here, and you should continue to do that. But come and check out the spears we got going on too. Yeah,
0: and, and get your hands on that copper card. Paso Robles Distillery dot com. You bring this copper card around with you, and then they just you know take like a little hammer and put a dimple over all the distilleries that you visit and 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 then you're done. You got a collector's item. What's also cool is they got this new map and you can actually take the map. It's at all the distilleries. And then as soon as you hit six that you visit, you just uh, fill out your email on a little piece of the map, tear it off, turn it in. And then they're going to give you like this little stainless steel, leather bound shot glass. Mm -hmm. And right there at the distillery. So all the distilleries have it, and that's that's when you do your sixth taste. So, I mean, it's really cool you guys are are giving back to the fans.
4: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we want to give you a little souvenir to to remember us by.
0: PasoRoblesDistilleryTrail.com is the website. You will find Cowwise on Ramada Road right off the 101 on your way into Tin City. I wish I could tell you a favorite. The gin, incredible. I, I mean, he's turning me around on single malt. Really special, The (laughs) Axe Hole. And then, uh, of course, you know I'm a big fan of your rum. Have been since I met you day one. Hazard Reef. Lots of fun stuff. Cocktails and more. A go-getter. I love the heart of this guy, Aaron Berg. He is from Cowwise Spirits. Dude, thanks for sharing where, uh, in this case, where Spirits takes you. But thanks for being on Where Wine Takes You, my man.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. (laughs)
0: What a fun chat with Aaron Berg, CalWise, C-A-L-W-I-S-E, CowWiseSpirits.com to visit and learn more. What an episode, huh? Little food, little wine, little spirits, all good. And of course, for more before your next visit to Paso, check out travelpaso.com. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine, associate producer Jim Bravo, and thanks so much to Jamie Guzman for fulfillment. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Follow me on Instagram at AdamOnTheAir. I should post more stuff from these things. I always want to and then just get caught up, but uh, always you follow me for... Uh, I've gotten DMs on recommendations because you're coming to visit. Hit me up, follow along, and I would love to connect with you there. Again, at Adam on the air. For the latest in Paso Wine Country, check out PasoWine.com. Definitely mandatory before your next visit. PasoWine.com and follow PasoWine on Insta at PasoWine. Original music on Where Wine Takes You. Good Company, the song performed by Moonshiner Collective, streamed wherever you get your music, and you can learn more about the band Moonshiner Collective. Dot com. They're actually playing live San Luis Obispo concerts in the plaza completely free. And if you haven't been to concerts in the plaza, it's just a lot of fun. It's downtown San Luis Obispo. This concert, Moonshiner Collective, August 25th. You can see that song and a ton more live. I'll remind you once again, but August 25th, downtown slow Moonshiner Collective live. How fun. You know we should do today? Something special. Let's play the entire, can we load up the entire Good Company song? We'll play it in its entirety at the end of this. You always just get that little bit that we use for the show. But the whole song, I think, would be fun to hear. It's a live version that was recorded in the studio. We'll play the entire version of Good Company coming up. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine. Next time you are cruising around the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Atom in the Morning, is live. Weekday morning 6 to 10 on Wine Country Radio. The Crush 92.5. Crush spelled with a K. You can stream it online, crush925.com. Also, there's a free app for the radio station in your smartphone. Make sure if you got a moment, you subscribe, rate, and write a review for the podcast. Also, share it. Hit that little square button. Send it along to someone who you know loves wine, loves people, loves conversations, and loves you. They'll check it out just because they love you. I'll take it. Again, thanks for connecting with us here again. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. As we wrap today, let's pour some Paso wine, lift that glass up high, and toast through the extraordinary journeys of our guests today. May their stories inspire us to embrace the unexpected paths that wine can lead us on. Cheers to the connections we make, the friendships we forge, and the adventures we embark on. Here's to savoring every single moment and sharing those remarkable experiences that unfold where wine takes you.
1: Dancing in the moonlight, five by side, looking like a new. on a roll straight through the night. The whiskey and the wine take us to another time with me. Opening pine trees, looking down on the sea, found nice little boat we can all be free, and it's a long way away, but it feels like home to me. So give me that moonshine, mm we'll get by, we'll pass around till the jar is done and out in the trees, it will simplify, good company. So come on, let's forget the world, and we can sing a few songs, tell the drunk I hurls, and we'll pat them on the back, and take a little nap, keep going. And it's all right. Now We can have a little fun, and go we'll nowhere know it to be it a long time for me, in this art tonight, I do believe So give me that moonshine, we'll get by We will bounce all around till the jar is done Can't out in the trees, it will simplify I'm good company, give me that moonshine We'll get by, we will bounce all around till the jar is done can out in the trees, it will simplify and good company, Release. So, come on and sing, free up your mind. Gone all the wires that have held us in check. We've been here before and we will always come back. So, come on and sing, free up your mind. Give me that moon, sound will get by, we we'll pass all round till the job is. Camp out in the trees, it will simplify, good wood Give me that moon, sound will get by, we we'll pass all round till the job is. Camp out in the trees, it will simplify, good wood Give me that moon, sound will get by, we we'll pass all round till the job is. Camp out in the trees who will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass all around till the job is dry. Camp out in the trees who will simplify in good, good company. company.